This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. You know, last uh, week during the bridge, uh, I, I spoke a little bit about saying it like you mean it when we say amen. And th- 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 this morning, the, the topic is authority. We're thinking about the authority of Jesus. You know, and you have authority, but you can, the way you exercise that authority sometimes comes down to saying it like you mean it. Because you can say something that you have the authority to say and people don't obey. And then you can say it differently and they do. Now, I'll just give you a little insight. I haven't warned him, but it's okay. He's a Christian, he'll forgive me. Uh, we had the opportunity a couple of months ago to go away with Brother Richard, who was just up here. And what a lovely, gentle soul he was talking to you about God's compassion and love. And he took some of us sailing. And the day started with lovely Richard telling us all about the boats and how to flush the toilet, you know, the names of all the bits of the boat that we soon forgot. And then we pulled away from the harbour. And suddenly we saw Captain Richard of Her Majesty's Armed Forces. He was still the same man speaking, but the authority level was taken up to 11 because of the way that he spoke like he meant it. And there was no, well, I'm not sure if I feel like doing that. I grabbed that rope and I pulled it, even if I didn't understand what I was doing. If you say it like you mean it, that's at the heart of speaking faith and activating God's promises. Say after me, this is my Bible. Say it like you mean it. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Praise God. Say it like you mean it. Amen. We're continuing our long, slow journey through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, not skipping out any of the hard bits. And we come to Luke chapter 20. And it goes like this. Psalm verse 1. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders came up and said to him, tell us by what authority you do these things or who it is that gave you this authority. He answered them, I also will ask you a question. Now tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? And so the chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, they discussed it with one another, saying, well, if we say from heaven, he'll say, well, why didn't you believe him? But if we say from man, the people will stone us to death, for they're convinced that John was a prophet. So they answered that we don't know. And Jesus said, well, then neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. 
Okay, let's start with the definition. What is authority? According to the dictionary, it is the power and right. The power and right to make decisions. The power and right to give orders to your sailors. All right, Captain. It is also the ability to influence other people because of who you are and what you know. For example, Mr. Smith is an authority on the use of sponge cake in legal contracts in ancient Mesopotamia. Yeah, you'd say he's an authority. But today, we're going to... What? Sponge cake comes in everywhere. Today, we're going to focus on this idea of, of having authority rather than being uh, an authority, a subject matter expert. So when it comes to having authority, okay, that is the power and the right to do stuff, what does that mean? Well, first of all, all authority has a purpose. Okay? You have authority to do something. Jesus said in Matthew 10, he called him his 12 disciples and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. So when Jesus gave authority to his disciples, he gave them authority to accomplish a mission. Yeah, it wasn't just blanket authority, it was authority to do something, authority to move towards a particular goal. Second thing about authority, it is given to you by a higher power. Romans 13, Paul writes, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So all legitimate authority is given to you by another higher level of authority. You don't go and take it for yourself. That's rebellion. That's the opposite of authority. The third thing about authority is that all authority has limits. You do not have authority to go beyond the boundaries of what you've been authorised to do. That would be usurping authority. And since authority is given by God, to step outside of that authority would be rebellion against God, and it always has consequences. In, in Jude, in verse 6, it talks about the angels who did not stay within their position of authority but left their proper dwellings and, and so have been kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the day of judgment. So this idea of being under authority is not just a human condition, it applies to the spiritual realm of well. In other words, all of God's creation exists within authority structures, the natural and the supernatural. In number 16, I'll go into detail, but this is the, the tale of uh, a rebellion against Moses by, by Kura and some, uh, some of his accomplices, and how God punishes them because they were trying to take positions of authority within the priesthood that God hadn't granted them. They were saying, who are you, Moses, to tell us what to do? We want to go and get involved. So that's an example of, of stepping beyond or trying to take authority for yourself. And then in Isaiah 14... We read a, prof uh, a prophetic poem, a description of the fall of Lucifer, the one who sought a throne for himself and was cast down to become the adversary, the Satan. Isaiah 14, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn. You are cut down to the ground, you who laid nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I'll make myself like the most high. 
but you've been brought down to Sheol into the reaches of the pit. Now, A.W. Tozer said, the essence of sin is rebellion against divine authority. So all of God's kingdom is organized and operates based on authority. And there's a a tale that's related in in Matthew chapter 8, where Jesus entered Capernaum, and a centurion came to see him. And he appealed to him, and he said, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, and he's suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replies, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed, truly, I tell you that with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Interesting, isn't it? The centurion was talking about authority, and Jesus says, I see faith. So Jesus is making a correlation between a correct understanding of authority in God's kingdom being an expression of faith. So walking in faith and living under God's authority are connected. They are connected. Now recently I've been watching Line of Duty on iPlayer. Have you seen it? So many twists and turns. No spoilers, I'm only up to to season four. But for those who have never watched it, it's a a drama about the police anti-corruption squad. In other words, it's all about the abuse of power and its consequences. So misusing the authority that we've been given is to abuse that authority. And we could do that maybe by going too far, by stepping beyond the boundaries that we've been given in our authority. But equally, I would challenge to say that failing to pick up the authority that we have and using it is equally an abuse of that authority. To leave it lying idle. Because it does what? It leaves us ineffective and unsuccessful in all that God has called us to be because we're not using the tools he gave us to be able to do our job. Now, as an old bloke in his 50s, when I look back at my life and ministry in the church over the last three decades or so, there is one definite pattern I can see. Times of success, of my success, whether it's in work or things going well in church, whatever, those times of success always correlate to me effectively working the authority that I've been given to do that job or wrong. And times of unsuccess always correlate to me failing to use correctly the authority that I had, either going too far or not far enough in that particular job or role. So when it comes to working within your authority, be it at work, in the church, in the kingdom, absolutely you must stay in your lane, right? and work within the bounds of authority that you've been given. Focus on what you've been given to do, but make sure you pick up and use the tools that God has equipped you with. So today we're going to be looking at this idea of authority, how it relates to Jesus, how it relates to us. Because at the heart of today's passage is this question thrown at Jesus by the high priests, those who were in authority in their society, those who were in authority in the religious establishment. They said to Jesus, in verse 2, tell us, by what authority you do these things, 
and who it is that gave you this authority. So before we dive into that and think about the authority idea, what are the these things they were referring to? Yeah, what are the these things that they're saying? Well, who gave you authority to do those things? Yeah, what is causing the chief priests and the religious lawyers to get their turbans in a twist? So last week we saw, first of all, Jesus cleaning up the temple. He was turning over tables. He was messing up the commerce systems that were lining the pockets of the religious elite and helping to fund the operations of the temple. He also called the temple my father's house, elevating to himself to a position that was sounding suspiciously like blasphemy to the high priests. But don't forget, this just comes at the, the culmination of a pattern that's been going on since, remember the map, up at the top in Capernaum, all, travelling all the way down, ch- challenging and niggling and poking and prodding and winding up the religious establishment with the parables that he was telling them that were pretty transparent digs about the way that they were teaching, the way they were behaving, criticising them, all the way through this long journey down to Jerusalem. Up to the point where he even rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, like the long prophesied Messiah, that all the religious people would have well known, their Old Testament, and well known the prophets. So the type is saying, what? who gives you the right to behave in the way that you're behaving? What gives you that right? So what does Jesus say? He doesn't answer the question. So we'll come back to that later. But for us this morning, and with the benefit of the rest of the Bible to read, let's answer that question that was posed to Jesus from the words of Scripture, both from Jesus' perspective and from our perspective. And we can see how those answers should shape our relationship with Jesus and our daily walk. So first of all, by what authority did Jesus do all these things? Well, Jesus could have answered along the lines of Colossians 1 that Jesus created all other authority. Colossians 1 says that he, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, the visible, the invisible, whether they're thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, uh, that in everything he might be preeminent. So Jesus' answer to the question, by what authority do these things, would be, well, my own authority, because I am God, and I created all these other authorities. I created everything. Everything in society, everything in the world, and everything in the church. Ephesians 1 says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. So that's the authority that Jesus operates in. I can boss it around because I made it, because it's mine. And the church, all authority in the church, flows down from Jesus because God the Father has made him the head over all things. What if we were to try and answer that question? 
us as Christians operating in our daily mission, doing the things that we think Jesus has called us to do, by what authority do we do the things that we do? Well, first of all, we operate on the authority of the word. Back at the start of Luke's gospel, the angel Gabriel says to Mary in Luke 1.37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Yeah? A phrase that graces a million magnets and a million fridges in a million Christian kitchens. But something interesting happens when we take a little peek at the Greek. Take a peek at the Greek at this phrase. Nothing will be impossible with God. And I think many of these Greek words, there's only a few, will be ones that you'll have heard about in church before. So the Greek reads, pardon my pronunciation, so the first, first two words, ukpan, means literally not every. Okay? Then the next word is rhema. You've heard that word before, haven't you? It's not just the name of Lydia's dog. Rhema is a rhema word from God, isn't it? Although it's translated here as uh, thing, but normally you would translate it as word. Then the next word is adinatesi, okay? which means impossible or powerless than parathew with God. So in other words, what it says is no thing is impossible with God or no rhema word is without its dunamis power from God. The word of God will never fail is how some translations will render that phrase because rhema is most commonly translated as word, not thing. Although the root of it is it's, it's, it's a thing within a sentence. That's why kind of where rhema comes from. Um, so it's interesting, isn't it? No word of God is without power, is what the angel was saying. Yeah, no word of God is powerless. And the words in question were clearly spoken by, by God. Yeah, they were spoken to Mary by the angel Gabriel, a message from the throne room of heaven. So that's the immediate context of those words. And the words of God to us are found in our Bible, aren't they? So no word of God is without power. No word of God is without power, which kind of reminds me a bit about Isaiah 55. I don't know about you. It says in verse uh, 10, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but they water the earth and make it bring forth and sprout and seed to the sow and bread to the eater, so, says God, shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to be empty, but shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. So for us, the first basis of our authority is the powerful words of Scripture. As St. Augustine said, faith will totter if the authority of the Holy Scripture loses its hold on men. We must surrender ourselves to the authority of Holy Scripture, for it can neither mislead nor be misled. And within these words of Scripture, we find this other mystery that Jesus is himself the Word of God. So when we say the Bible speaks to us, when we read something and it's that kind of, you know, that kind of, it leaps off the page, or you have that thing, I've been a Christian for 30 years and I've never read that sentence before. <laughs> Here in Paul's letters that I've read a million times, when, when was that put in? You know, have that ever happened to you? When the Bible speaks to us, it is Jesus speaking to us because he is the word. 
Yeah, this is the authority from the Word. John's Gospel begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God, and is profitable for what? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Well, if Scripture can correct us, if Scripture could issue a reproof to us, it must mean it has an authority to do so, right? Because it is the Word's of God. So the answer to the first question, by what authority does Jesus do these things? The answer is, well, on his own authority, because he's the creator of all authority on the earth and in the heavenlies. And for us, how and why is the authority that we do these things? We say, well, on the authority we get from the words of God. This is my Bible. I can do all it says I can do which isn't just a statement of ability, it's a statement of permission and authority to do the things it says I can do. So when the Bible says, pray for the sick, it's not just giving us a commandment, it's saying we have authority to pray for the sick. When the Bible says, go and share the gospel, it's telling us that we have authority to go and share the gospel. And then the second similar but not quite the same question that the scribes and Pharisees asked to Jesus was, who gave you this authority? And Jesus' authority, it comes from the Father. On the, when Jesus and his disciples went up onto the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, it says this, he was speaking, that Jesus was speaking, And behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And Jesus himself acknowledged that all of his authority comes from the Father. John's Gospel, chapter 8. Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. So Jesus' answer to the question, who gave you this authority? He would say, my Father in heaven. And when someone says to us, well, who gave you authority to spread the gospel, to pray for the sick? Our authority comes from Jesus. Matthew chapter 8, chapter 28. Jesus said to all of them, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore speaking to his disciples, speaking to us. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. So Jesus says, well, all authority is given to me, and he gives to his disciples, that is, us the authority to go and make disciples in every nation, authority to baptize them, authority to teach them Jesus' commands. But having authority is not a carte blanche to go and do whatever you want. Just consider these two scriptures and the tension between them. John, so 1 John 5 says, And if we know that he hears us, that's talking about Jesus, in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we've asked for him. Right? Great scripture of faith. Whatever you ask, you will receive. And then James 4 says, You ask, and you do not receive. Why? Because you ask wrongly to spend on your passions. 
which is, I think, another way of saying is you're asking outside of your authority to ask. You're asking outside of the authority of your mission. You're asking for tools to do someone else's job rather than tools to do your job. Yeah? See, what, see how you reconcile it. Remember, all authority is granted for a purpose. And our authority from Jesus ultimately is the authority to go and disciple all nations. Our authority is to spread the gospel. Our authority is to show the love of God to those who need to hear it. And this is the authority we've been granted from Jesus. But before I finish, I just want to circle back to an idea from the beginning about the nature of authority. And the example that Jesus set that I think the church should get much better at following, especially in today's climate. We're speaking a lot this morning about our authority to do things. But the thing about authority is it also means you have the authority not to do something. So my final point today. You don't have to. Turn to your neighbour and say, you don't have to. You don't have to. See, Jesus was asked to justify why he was doing what he was doing. Yeah? And what happened? Messiah says no. Yeah? Jesus didn't answer the question. He refused to answer the question because he knew it wasn't an honest question and it was simply a trap designed to derail him, derail the conversation and distract him from his mission. Jesus said, well, hold on, you answer my question first. And when they said, well, no, we're not going to answer your question. Jesus said, well, I'm not going to answer your question then. And I think we would be wise not to allow ourselves as the church to get dragged into the day's favourite controversies. In other words, just because someone asks you a question, just because someone asks you to get involved with something, you don't have to. You're allowed to say, no, we are under no obligation to play the world's games. That scripture warns us several times to be wise. 2 Timothy 2 says, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And in Titus 3, it says, avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and dissensions and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. We can so easily get bogged down in the world's madness and rendered ineffective, fighting the wrong battles. Now, you can quite readily identify the world's favourite topics and the, the, the rainbow flags that get hung on every government building. But just imagine if the same amount of effort was put into combating child poverty, in making sure that children were well-educated, in making sure that our veterans, when they return from war, actually have somewhere to live and don't end up being homeless. That's what the church should be talking about, I think. Billy Graham said, have respect for authority. Jesus Christ was under the authority of his Father in heaven, and he lived for one thing, to fulfill the will of the Father. Everyone is subject to some kind of authority. There is one chain of command, and the ultimate authority is God at the top. What is the authority in your life? Is it your selfishness? Is it your lust? Is it your greed? Or have you turned it over to God and said, Lord, you're going to be my authority? Because when you are under authority, you are then able to assume authority. 
We started this morning with this reminder that authority and faith are connected. We saw that in the story of the centurion. And it is a step of faith to submit to the authority of Jesus as your Lord. But our challenge this morning is that are there parts of our lives that we have not yet given Jesus full authority over. Last week, Harold, remember, he shared this really powerful picture of what it means to yield, what it means to yield to God, to yield your whole life. So I just want to take, take a moment now to pray, to yield those areas of our lives, those areas of our personality, that we know in our hearts are not fully submitted to the authority of Jesus. And I just want to challenge us all to get out of our comfort zones, to channel our inner Anglicans, and we're going to have a response as we pray. So as I say each area of our lives, I want you to say, we yield to you. Can you do that? Yeah, that's because that is making it personal to you, your declaration. Say it like you mean it. Lord Jesus, you set an example for us to follow while you were walking upon this earth. You submitted every area of your life to the Father and the mission that he'd given to you. Lord God, we want to submit to you more completely this morning in every area of our lives. In our family lives, we yield to you. Our marriages and romantic relationships, we yield to you. Our work life, we yield to you. Our school and our studies, we yield to you. Our hobbies and our pastimes, we yield to you. To you. Our prayer life, we yield to you. Our thought life, we yield to you. Our dreams and our plans, we yield to you. Our hopes and our fears, we yield to you. Lord, we yield all of these to you in their entirety. Lord Jesus, they are yours to do with as you please. Grant us all greater wisdom to use the authority you've given us so that we are effective in all that you have created and called us to be. And we pray this in your holy name. Say it like you mean it, church. Amen. 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 As the band comes, let me bless you. The words of Aaron, he says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm.